So last week we started this series and we discovered the word pneuma was a word that these New Testament believers 2,000 years ago adopted to the Holy Spirit. And they called the Holy Spirit pneuma and it was a Greek word that meant uh, breath or it meant wind. And we discovered last week that the Holy Spirit is actually a person. He's not a force, not some mystical thing floating around in the universe. The Holy Spirit is actually a person, and we discovered what the role and the person of the Holy Spirit was today, uh, last week. But let me ask you, each of you today, if I was to ask you what your personality is, I wonder what your answer would be. Some of you would know exactly what your personality is. Some of you, you may have a little bit of a hard time defining what your personality is. I'm sure the person next to you could define what your personality is. But your personality is the combination and characteristics uh, and qualities uh, of your individual makeup. It's what makes you individual from anybody else. Some of you this morning, you may say, I'm an extrovert. Others will like, no way, I'm an introvert. Some of you may think that you are bubbly in your personality. Others think that you are more reserved. Some of you, you just crack jokes all the time and you can never get serious. Others, you're just serious all the time. And if you crack a smile, it's, it's like the world shakes, you know. Uh, some, some of you, you may have a lot of close friends, different ones that you're really close with. Others, you're a little bit more shallower than that. And you have lots of lots of friends, but you don't really get that close to some. Some of you are competitive. How many of you are here competitive this morning? So like half of you. So don't play games with those people. And then some of you, you just not, you, you just like the fun of it. You're like, you're the, you're the coach who says to the kids, you know, when you're teaching them like softball, or baseball, you're teaching them soccer, you're like, everybody's a winner. And there are people like me on the side like, no, you're a loser. You know, we're our real winners. So there's different personalities. Every one of us is an individual and it is our personality that makes us distinct from each other. If you were to come into my house on, on, on a week, any week, any weeknight, you would soon discover that there are different personalities in my household. You would find just by switching on the TV, who was last watched the TV. If there's lots of sports going on, then I've watched it. If there are, is the Food Network or HDTV or some Spanish novella, then my wife has been watching the TV. You know, if you come into my house and you find that there's somebody singing, in the house, you'll soon find it's me because like every pastor has this secret desire to be a worship leader. Just to let you know, we all want to really be, it's like our alter ego to be a worship leader, but none of us can sing. So, so but, but I'm the one who sings in the house. If you look, go into a house and you find there's lots of little love notes everywhere, it's my wife you know, giving me love notes and trying to say, hey, write some love notes to me as well. If you go in and that one minute the house is a mess and then the next minute everything's picked up, it's because I've been in the house. And don't tell my wife that, but it's true. And because we've got very different personalities and it's what makes us who we are. And so last week we discovered that the Holy Spirit is part of what we call a three parts of the Godhead. He is the Father, He is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. And we discover that the Father is a person. He is a person with a personality. Then we have the Son, who is Jesus, who is a person. 
and a person with a personality. And we discover that the Holy Spirit is also a person, which means the Holy Spirit has a personality. And if you start to understand the personality of the Holy Spirit, it's a lot easier to understand when the Holy Spirit is near and what the Holy Spirit desires for our lives. And it's a lot easier to know when the Holy Spirit speaks and where He is leading us. So if you are a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, then you need to understand what the personality of the Holy Spirit is so that you can recognize the Holy Spirit and and it's not some imposter trying to make you do something you don't want to do. So we discovered last week that the Holy Spirit is a helper and He is a giver. He helps us find truth. He helps us in the path of what we call righteousness. He helps us to become more like God. He helps us in all different things. He's also a giver. He gives us power. He gives us gifts. He gives us just all these different things in life that we need. And if you understand his unique personality, then you can start to understand and know when he is trying to help you and he is trying to give to you. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what the personality of the Holy Spirit is, what the Bible says the personality of the Holy Spirit is. One thing I, I, I like to do normally when, when, when we're talking on Sunday mornings and, uh, and, and we're, we're giving the message, I like to like center around just a couple of verses and then just, uh, just really just go from there. But when you're looking at the personality of the Holy Spirit, he's kind of a little bit all over the place. And so there's lots of different verses we're going to have to pull in together to kind of get a definition of what the Holy Spirit is. So bear with me this morning. There's going to be kind of few, quite a few different scriptures that we're going to look at in order to get a definition of what the, what the personality of the Holy Spirit really is. But the first thing I want to tell you this morning is that the Holy Spirit, he is a strong person. He is a strong person with a strong personality. You know, when you read through the Bible, you start to understand that God is a strong God. He's not a weak God. He is a strong God. You know, in the book of Psalms, it's referred to him a few times as God is our strong tower. He's like a big, strong structure that can't be moved no matter what goes on in life. He is a strong tower. There's other times that the Bible mentions that he is the almighty one. He's not just like the mighty one, not like mighty mouse or anything like that. He is the almighty one, the most mighty. Uh, It also tells us that he is the all-conquering one. He's not one who's just conquered a few things, but anything that God touches, he conquers. He is the all-conquering one. The Bible tells us that God is the one who gives and takes away. He gives life. He takes away life. He commands the seas and the waves, and they obey him. We we, we are told that God is bigger, he is greater, he is mightier than the tallest mountains in this world. He is so strong that the world is in the palm of his hand. He is a strong God. And as the Holy Spirit is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they come together to make who God is. As the Holy Spirit is God, then this applies to the Holy Spirit as well. He is a strong God. However, there's three distinct areas of strength that we see in the New Testament. 
of the Holy Spirit and the personality of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we find. We find that the Holy Spirit has a strong mind. He has a strong mind. But if you've, if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to John chapter 16 and verse 13, and then mark a page there, and then also uh, Romans chapter 8. So John 16, verse 13, then Romans chapter 8. This is what John 16, verse 13, we read this last week. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you the future. So last week we discovered that part of, of, of the, 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 the way that the Holy Spirit helps us, he guides us into truth, what truth really is. And the Holy Spirit is this, is this person with a strong mind because he knows exactly what truth is. And he tries to direct you in that truth. He tries to let you start to see his mind. The Holy Spirit has a unique mind. He has an understanding that our minds cannot comprehend. In fact, our brain could not contain what the Holy Spirit knows and understands. You know, there was, years ago, there was this movie. It was like a really bad movie. Um, but it was called like Mars Attacks. And uh, it was about all these aliens. It was supposed to be this comedy. And I mean, it wasn't that funny. But I always remember there was this thing on there. The aliens, when I, th- I forget what it was, they like, like took in oxygen or something. Their like brain would just pop. Like their mind would pop and their head would pop. You know, and that's how you kill these aliens. And if you had the mind of the Holy Spirit, your brain would pop. It would like just explode, you know, uh, because our minds could not take the, the knowledge and the understanding that the Holy Spirit has because he has a strong mind. He is known as the spirit of truth. And then it says this in, in uh, Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8. Verse 5 to 6, it tells us, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So if your life is a life that's full of sin, and you're doing things that you know are not right, your mind starts to be dominated by that. Your mind starts to think over those things. That sinful stuff that's going on in your life, they are now taking control of your mind. They're playing mind games with you. And it says this. It carries on. And it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So it says this. The Apostle Paul says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So if you let sin control your mind, it's going to lead to death and destruction. It says this, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So the Holy Spirit has this unique ability to speak to your mind and clear your mind from all the junk and all the sin that's in your mind and kind of purify your mind and start to help you to see clearly, to think clearly and see God clearly. Not even the best hypnotist in the world would be able to do that. 
You know, people who, who have like mind powers and they can control others' minds, they have nothing on what the Holy Spirit can do because his mind is so strong. But then Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 also tells us. It, uh, it, it says there, it says, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So here, Paul is telling us that the Holy Spirit has this ability to know when you don't know what to pray. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation in your life where you know that there's things going on in your life and you need to pray, but you have no idea how to pray. Maybe you're just like blank before God, and all you can say is just God help. You don't know the words, what to say to God, how to say the things. That is when the Holy Spirit comes in, and he knows exactly what to say at the right time, exactly how to pray. He knows the will of the Father, and the Father knows the will of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he even is able to speak in God language. He can speak to the Father in ways that you cannot speak to the Father. He is eloquent in his words. He is understanding in the way that he says things. He has a strong mind. He is one smart cookie, just to let you know. The Holy Spirit is one smart cookie, and he knows his stuff. His mind is way bigger and stronger than your mind. But not only that, he doesn't just have a strong mind. He also has a strong will as well. He is strong willed. There are times in life where the Holy Spirit, who the New Testament believers called Numa, will impose his will upon people. And if you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you open your heart up to God, there are times when the Holy Spirit will try to impose his will on your life. You know, we have plans, we have dreams that we want to do in life. There are things that we want to do. Uh, There are even things that we think we should do in life. Yet the Holy Spirit is the one who knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. And there are times when he will urge you to stop what you're doing and change direction. Because he knows what's better for you. It's not because the Holy Spirit is controlling But it's the exact opposite. It's because the Holy Spirit wants you to experience freedom. And at times, he stops us going down a path that's going to cause us pain, damage, heartache, and destruction. This is what it says in the Bible. There's this unique situation in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read verses 6 to 10. There's two guys, one called Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament, another guy called Silas, who was his buddy, and they traveled together, and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to places that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before. They went to all different places, and they, and they led people into life in Jesus Christ. They went through a lot of different heartache, lots of different problems, but ultimately they were successful in what they did, because many people turned to Jesus Christ. And then it says this, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, It says, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phygeria and Galatia. And it says this, listen, because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. 
then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north uh, for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man standing from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So Paul and Silas, they want to go to what they call the province of Asia. It's like modern day Turkey. And they want to go and they want to preach and tell everybody about Jesus. You know, these are guys who are full of God and they've got good intentions. But then the Holy Spirit says, no, no, I don't want you to go there. Have you ever experienced a time in your life when God has said no? It's what, it could be one of the most painful things like, God, why? You know, sometimes we kind of myself, we'll have conversations because there's plenty of times in our lives when God has said no. And we're like, God, we're trying to do your work. We're trying to do what pleases you. But you're saying no. Why? And we don't understand it because our minds are weak, but the mind of the Holy Spirit is strong. And because of that, his will is strong. And he wants you to go paths and, 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 and on journeys that, that are going to be successful for you, not destructive for you. Who knows what would have happened to Paul and Silas if they'd gone where they wanted to go. But the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. And they went to Macedonia and God did amazing things. There are times in your life when the Holy Spirit will say no. He'll impose his will on you because he wants the best for you. And then finally, just in this strong section, he, he, he is, has a strong mind. He has a strong will. He also is strong in judgment. He's strong in judgment. I'm going to read a verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 to 32, that uh, I don't think I've really ever heard a good explanation of what this verse really means. There's many people who are a whole lot smarter than me who have tried to come up with what this means. But I'm going to read it first, and then we'll just try to dissect it a little, because it's kind of shocking. These are the words of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Let's stop there for a moment. Every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you, you've done things, how far you've fallen, how much you have forsaken God, forsaken other people, there is forgiveness for sins. Through the grace and the mercy of God, there is forgiveness of sins. There is no one who has fallen so far that God cannot forgive. And I'm thankful for that because if without the forgiveness of sins, then I don't know where we would be. I know we'd be heading for an eternity in hell. I know that. But there, for any sin at all, there is forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus says. But then he says this. Accept. He uses the word accept. I'm like, whoa, hold on, Jesus. Isn't there forgiveness for sins for everything? Now, Jesus says this, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Wow. Have you ever heard that before? There's a sin that God won't forgive. He'll forgive every single sin. He says, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And this is of Jesus. This is just, what I think, how the personality of Jesus was. He carries on, he says, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man. So anyone who speaks against Jesus, he's saying, anyone who speaks against me, 
can be forgiven. If you speak against me, if you speak against Jesus, if you despise Jesus, if you beat Jesus, if you crucify Jesus, you can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Either either in this world or in the world to come. If you speak against the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, God isn't going to forgive you. That's some pretty tough stuff. I tell you, I'm like racking through all the times I've said stuff. I've ever said something against the Holy Spirit. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. But this is what I think it means. Like I said, there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot smarter than me who tried to dissect this verse. What did Jesus really mean when he said this? And this is what I, I, I think. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an unpardonable sin. And this is why. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have experienced the life of Christ. You have experienced God in your life. When you acknowledge that there is a Holy Spirit, you know that there is a God who forgives, who saves. You know that the Holy Spirit wants to direct you. And it's like the voice of God directing you into paths and into places. And when you directly blaspheme or you directly speak against the Holy Spirit and you say, no, I don't want any part of you, you're basically saying, I don't want any part of God in my life. You're saying, I don't want God to do things in my life. I don't like God. That's what you're really saying when you blaspheme or speak against the Holy Spirit. Because this, it's not a sin against somebody else. It's not a sin against yourself. When you speak against the Holy Spirit, it's a sin against God. It's a sin against God. And so this is why I'm so insistent we need to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Don't reject the Holy Spirit because it is God's hand coming to touch you and direct you in life. You know, Acts chapter 5 verse 1 to 11 tells us this incredible story. There's two guys, so a man or a woman, one called Ananias, one called Sapphira. And they've been saved by God, they've experienced the Holy Spirit. And then we have this situation where where they they sell a field that they own and they get the money and they give the money to the church. Um, Because everybody was doing it at the time, everyone was selling their possessions, giving it to the church so they could help the poor. And Ananias comes to Peter and he says, Peter, hey, I sold my field. Look how good I am. Here's the money that I'm going to give to the church. And Peter says, is this all the money? And Ananias says, yes, this is all the money that, 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 that we got for the field. And Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And you know what God did? God killed him. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's like, whoa, okay. Like God was having a bad day that day, you know? I'm like, I don't think that was necessary. But God killed him. Then his wife comes in, Sophia, and she comes in and she was like, great, look what we've done. We've sold our field, given all the money to the church. And Peter says, you lied. You didn't give all the money to the church. Because you lied, your husband is dead outside and you're going to join him. And she died. God killed her. It wasn't because they should have just given all the money to the church. Not, God isn't like, hey, I want all your money. It was because they wanted to give the impression that they've given everything and they lied to God. 
And there are times in, in life when we do things against God and God is not happy. And the Holy Spirit is so strong. He is strong in judgment. But then he's not just strong. The Holy Spirit is also sensitive as well. He's like the perfect guy. You know, you ladies, you want a strong guy, but you also want a sensitive guy. And it's like, I don't know how you mix the two together, you know. But the Holy Spirit is strong and he is sensitive. In fact, the Bible tells us that you can actually hurt his feelings. You can hurt the feelings of the Holy Spirit. How about that? In in, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 to 31, it, it, it tells us all these different things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And we haven't got time to, to, to read it all, but it basically says that I, I want you to, 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 to not use bad language. I don't want you to, to talk about others. I don't want you to steal. I don't want you to, to, to live this sinful life anymore. And then it says this in Ephesians chapter 4 and then verse 30. Paul says this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Guarantee, and then he says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Then he says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Then he says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving, one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The Holy Spirit desires to work in your life and to perfect you. He has been given the assignment to help you to become more Christ-like in your life. He's helped you, like we talked about last week, He helps us to become what we call sanctified, to purify us, get rid of all, all the junk in our lives and make us pure. And, and when we start living like that, it brings Him joy. When we're forgiving to others, when we're kind, tender-hearted, when we encourage others, the Holy Spirit becomes joyful. You know, the Holy Spirit has emotions. He becomes joyful. But yet, when you fill your heart with bitterness, with rage, with anger, with gossip, with slander, when you steal or use foul language, you'll start cussing other people out. The Holy Spirit gets grieved. He becomes sad. He becomes sorrowful. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 10 tells us that the people of Israel, they grieved the Holy Spirit because of the way that they were living. And in your life, when you do things that that Christ has asked us to do, to be forgiven, encouraging, lifting others up, being tender, the Holy Spirit is happy and joyful. But when you start living a way that is not godly, the the Holy Spirit is kind of gets grieved, and his feelings become hurt. He's sensitive. He's also sensitive because he has a gentle hand. The Holy Spirit appears many times throughout the Bible, and we haven't got time to look at the scriptures of where the Holy Spirit appears. But you see many times the Holy Spirit comes down as this gentle dove, just fluttering away. You see that the Holy Spirit comes down and always is seen as this soothing, what they call anointing oil. Oil that would come and purify. Oil that would come and soothe wounds. Other times the Holy Spirit appears as a soft flame. There's other times the Holy Spirit comes as a gentle whisper. 
And while he's strong in his judgment, he is gentle in his touch. You know, different translations of the Bible tell us different words of the Holy Spirit. Some say that he is a comforter. He's a counselor. He is a peace. He is a helper. Overall, this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is a person who treats you right, and he has the right words for the right time. He's not going to treat you bad. He treats you right. You know, if the Holy Spirit was a guy, this is what he would do. He would open doors for ladies. He would take his coat. He sees a puddle in the road. He would put his coat over the puddle so the woman could walk right over the puddle. He's a gentleman. You know, he treats people right. He treats you in ways that you should be treated. He doesn't abuse you at all, but he treats you right. And when you see people in churches and they're abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that isn't God because God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And lead on to that, he will never force himself on you. He will never force himself on you. Even though he wants to impose his will in your life, he will never force himself on you. The Bible's very clear that this Numa, this Holy Spirit, he wants friendship. He wants something called fellowship and a relationship with you. Throughout the Bible, you see numerous times when the words fellowship with the Holy Spirit is mentioned, meaning companionship, friendship, closeness with the Holy Spirit. However, if you don't want the Holy Spirit, he's not going to force himself on you. There's a story in the Bible, a guy called Stephen, who was a great man of God, and he was preaching Jesus and telling people about Jesus in Jerusalem. And then the religious people didn't like it, so the priests got him together. They put him before court, and they were about to execute him. And this is what Stephen says. He says, you people have resisted the Holy Spirit. He's like, shame on you. You've resisted the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not impose himself on you. In fact, if you don't want the Holy Spirit, he'll pass on. He will pass on. That's why you get some churches that never want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And they're as dead as, you know, a dodo, right? That's what they say. They're dead. There's no life in them because if you don't want the Holy Spirit, he will pass on. And then finally this morning, very quickly, the Holy Spirit is faithful. He is faithful. He isn't here today, gone tomorrow, but he's here to stay. I'll be honest, I'm not a very good friend. I'm really not. If if we live in the same city, I can be a good friend. But if I don't live in the same city, then I just don't pick up the phone very often. I don't email or Facebook people very often. And my wife is always telling me, call this person, call this one. You've got to maintain these friendships. And I'm just not very good. I don't know what it is or anything. But we've got some people in the church who are the most awesome friends ever. I mean, like Erin, who sings here on Sunday morning. She, if Erin becomes your friend, then you've got the best friend you could ever imagine. Because she's like a little Labrador, you know I mean? She's like, like there. I, mean, I don't know if I should have called her. Labrador, but anyway, but, but she's there all the time. You know, you go through th- anything, through thick or thin, through high the mountains, low valleys in your life. She is there. She is a faithful friend. And some of you are like that. And this is what the Holy Spirit is. 
He is faithful. He will be with you through everything. Maybe you've never experienced a relationship that's lasted. Maybe you, you've, you've had like relationships in your life that have come and they've gone, they've broken down, and they've never lasted at all. Maybe, maybe you've never really been able to count on somebody else and you've been on your own. That's not the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 16, this is what Jesus says. He says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, And I will ask the Father who will give you another advocate, another helper, another comforter. And then he says this, Jesus says, and he's referring to the Holy Spirit. He says, who will never leave you? Who will never leave you? Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is here forever. Doesn't mean he's, he was just there for the New Testament church. Doesn't mean he was just there for these band of disciples who like were nomads and just walked, you know, around. And then when they died, the Holy Spirit left. Jesus is referring to everybody, the global church, the universal church that would be here in 2,000 years later. So in 2014, the promise of the Holy Spirit is still here, that he will never leave you. And so when you're going through tough times in your life, the Holy Spirit, he is there. He is there to help. When you go through great and joyful times in your life, the Holy Spirit is there rejoicing with you and having a great time of celebration with you. When, when you go through moments of doubt in your life and your faith is low, the Holy Spirit just doesn't get up and say, hey, I'm going to someone else who's a little bit more happy than you. No, the Holy Spirit stays there. He's with you. When you go through times of grief in your life, the Holy Spirit is there. You know why? Because He's faithful. He's faithful. No, he's wanting a relationship with you. He wants to teach you. He wants to direct you. He wants to keep you out of trouble. He wants to feel the joyful emotion when you live in a way that pleases God. He wants to show you his gentle side. And he wants to reveal himself to you. He doesn't want you to resist him. But he wants you to give your life unto him. So that he can do with it more than whatever you could do on your own. So I urge you today. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. For he is a person with a personality. And when you just spend a few moments with him. And you start to see his personality. His personality is so infectious. That you'll never ever want to leave again. You'll want to be with the Holy Spirit forever. You'll want to be around him all the time. You'll want him in your life because his, whole, his personality is just this contagious personality. And you'll want to love people. You'll want to be kind to people. You'll, you'll want to walk around with joy and peace. And, and, and you'll want to be able to have self-control in your life because the personality of the Holy Spirit is so infectious that your life will never be the same again. So don't resist the Holy Spirit. Accept the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit in your life as Jesus commanded to his disciples. And your life will never be the same again. Let's bow our heads in prayer.